Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host and partner, Mr. Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian, and today is an interesting day, today of all days. We're just having a preliminary conversation about uh, things that are going on in the world. The conversation around diversity and all that it means uh, is uh, more poignant today than seems like it's ever been. <laughs> Maybe that's always been that, that, that case, but... Uh, Today, we're going to have a, a lively discussion with our special guests. So um, thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for a great episode of Just Two Dads. Welcome, everybody. Another episode of Just Two Dads. Again, I am Brian Altunian here with Sean Francis. We are, for the moment, live on Facebook Live. I think that that may be changing at some point in the future. And if so, we'll let you all know. Uh, what's what's happening? Uh, we're a little bit at the mercy of uh, of our social media platforms to get our word out and get our podcast out. But thankfully, if you don't catch us live on Facebook, you can catch us on our YouTube channel at Just Two Dads as well. We're also on podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere you can get podcasts. And we are down on WSTX AM Radio down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Welcome to everybody who's listening in there and on Roku channel under Empower Media Communications as well. We're all over the place now. So word is getting out two years ago, three years ago, Sean and I were guests on a podcast and had such a great conversation with a couple of other dads. As it turned out, that podcast episode never aired. And Sean and I looked at each other and we thought, why aren't we doing a podcast? We have met some phenomenal people servicing the special needs community and and talking about the things that matter to our, our families in that community. And more importantly, we found amazing warriors who are doing phenomenal work for families in the special needs community that, by the way, that work transcends special needs and goes into, into every area of our community. And so we thought, hey, man, we're not experts. We're just two dads, dads of children with special needs issues. But, you know, it's not really about us. It's about our guests. And today is no exception. We're excited to have our guest on today. Um, before we introduce her, I'm going to throw it over to, to Sean Francis. Sean, my friend, how are you feeling today, buddy? Blessed and thankful, ready to jump right into it. Um, Love it. You know, what's interesting about our guest today is that she doesn't work particularly in the special needs community, but her work is an example of how we have more in common than otherwise and goes back to everything that this show has taught us about the fact that, you know, there are special needs as far as accommodations go with regard to someone that has a cognitive delay um, or a developmental delay or a catastrophic injury or something like that that has made them quote unquote disabled. But at the end of the day, everybody want, needs to be seen. Everybody needs to be heard. Everybody needs to know that they matter and that they are loved. And the person whose work is doing that on such a grand scale is none other than Miss Sequoia Houston. Welcome, Sequoia. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we are glad to have you here. Yo, sure. So we usually begin by having someone you know the work that we that you do to contribute to society as a whole including the special needs community is heroic work most heroes don't see themselves as that no matter how bright their suit or how long their cape but the truth of the matter is i think that what you're doing is in fact heroic and you know all superheroes have powers which come from their origin so tell us a little bit about you and um you know how you grew up and what got you into the work that you do specifically as it relates to today's topic, which is diversity. 
Yeah, um, thank you for that. I certainly don't see myself as a hero by any stretch of the imagination. Um, <laughs> I don't even know. And I'm trying to think about how I grew up, like if that even has any factor. Um, I'm a, and maybe it did. I'm a military brat, so I lived a lot of different places growing up. I did also spend a lot of time with my grandparents as well, um, from one to seven. But yeah, I spent a lot of time moving around different places, <laughs> getting to know different people, and being in different environments. And maybe that is why um, diversity always stood out to me. So my job itself, how I make money and earn a living, is through marketing, and I've done marketing sounds crazy, but for 15 years now, a little over 15 years now. And when um, I would be in these rooms, I would notice a lot of times we would have a campaign going and there would be no diversity at all in the campaign, whether that was diversity of age, diversity of gender, diversity of race, all of those different things. And I was usually looking around and wondering why nobody else said anything. And because no one else said anything, I was, you know, hey, guys, it's just wasn't sure if you were aware, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so that became a thing. Um, and so I started my own marketing agency um, and because I do my own thing now and I still I go back and forth between working exclusively for myself and working for others. Um, but because I get to do my own thing, I get to work on the projects that I'm excited about. One project I was working on in 2016 was with a client that did auto insurance. And so I was like, oh man, this is going to be great. You know, we were doing a website and some other marketing collateral. I was like, everybody needs auto insurance. This could be a super diverse campaign. It's going to be awesome. I go to the stock media websites <laughs> and you, there's something that happens with a marketer that you just forget every time <laughs> that it doesn't, diversity doesn't really exist in those areas. You forget mm -hmm. and then you get yeah. there and then you're looking for images and you're like, ah, oh, gosh, here we go. Um, and so I couldn't find much. And I think that's one thing that people um, get confused about because they're like, well, of course there are images featuring, you know, diverse folks, but then you have to look at the tone of an image, the texture of an image, the image itself doesn't match. You know, we're looking, they were launching an app. So we're looking for happy people smiling on cell phones, right? That's very specific. And then you have mm -hmm. to look, does it have the same color texture and all of that stuff with what we're doing? Because one, if we can't find it, then we have to either create it or we have to take what they have and then go back and somehow manipulate it so that it fits. All of that takes a lot of time and energy and sometimes money that a client might not have, that we might not have if we're doing it in-house. Um, mm -hmm. And those are things that people like fail to realize when they're thinking, oh, no, there's some diversity or, oh, you're just making a big deal out of it. No, it has real, real ramifications. And so... Um, I was thinking, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a website, so I could just create this thing. Actually, before that, I was like, there has to be a, uh, there has to be something out there that's just diverse images. There has to be. And I looked, mm -hmm. and I didn't really find anything. And I was like, oh, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just a website. So let me just create the thing. I'm already doing websites or whatever. And I tell people that was either like my best idea ever or it was my worst idea ever because it's not just a website. There's so much that goes into it. Um, right. And I learned that very quickly, but um, it's been an amazing journey. And so because of my work with mochastock.com, which is the website that I developed, I've been invited into these conversations around diversity. And so... Um, 
you know, I feel like it's very integral to who I am as a person. It's integral to the work that I want to do in the world and the change I want to see in the world. I just want people to be able to see themselves, um, you know, particularly in the, we, we spend money with these brands and it's not fair for you to spend them to be okay with our money, but not okay with showing the people who mm-hmm. actually participate in their brand. So that's one thing. Plus, I just think, you know, like I said, I grew up in, you know, very diverse environments. I went to magnet schools that were artificially mixed and things like that. And so I'm just really used to seeing a diverse world. And it's odd to me that the things that I would see out in media and in the world just weren't. Tell me yeah, something. I, I was just to say one thing. Go ahead, go, Brian. Yeah. Just, just, just for the audience to know too, you know, diversity just means difference, right? It just means something, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's not, because we talk about neurodiversity when we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, people who have who have challenges, um, whether it's, you know, autism or again, or, you know, cognitive difference, it's, we call them neurodiverse or neurotypical would be one side of it, right? But yeah. diversity is a broad, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a broad, has a broad range of things, right? Yeah, it's very broad. So um, it's funny because we actually posted something on our social media this week. Um, and it's a quote from Henry Louis Gates. And he talked about, his quote says, diversity doesn't mean black and white only. And I think a lot of times when we get into this conversation about diversity, we talk about it from the standpoint of, oh, black people, white people, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. And it's not Color. just that. We talk about it from a racial standpoint. Um, I remember doing a um a campaign for a nonprofit that I was working for and it was for their big conference that was coming up and we had hired um, an outside design firm and our audience uh for the conference the members of the organization was 55% um white women over the age of 50 right in the collateral they had these happy young co-eds smiling and drinking champagne for the happy hour type events and things like that. But they didn't represent the people in the actual organization. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not going to use imagery from the actual organization, you want to at least make sure that the imagery you use is representative of the people that you're catering to. Right. For and sure. so I mentioned, you know, hey, we need a little bit more diversity. And I very specifically talked about age diversity in that. And I remember one of the um, people from that organization going to look at my LinkedIn profile and they saw that I was black. And so the next iteration of <laughs> designs we got had all these random black people sprinkled through. And I was like, that was not what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Good intention, but. Mm. Missing the mark. Knee-jerk response. Tell us us about the term artificially diverse. I've never heard that term before, but I get some clear images as to maybe you just gave an example of it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so when I said, I think you're talking about when I talked about when I went to magnet schools. And so Mm -hmm. I went to these magnet schools that were, um, you had to apply to get in and so that they can make sure that people had access, they would limit the um, applications to 33% Black, 33% White, 33% Hispanic, 1% Mm. other. And so all my life, like I went to middle school and high school in these environments. And so I went to this utopia in school and then I graduate and I'm like, what is this? Mm. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
<laughs> so, and then, I mean, I also lived in really diverse cities. So I went to college, to undergrad in Houston. Houston is a diverse city. You know, I live mm-hmm. in Los Angeles now. Los Angeles is, you know, a really diverse city. Sure. I lived in Maryland, in the uh, Maryland, D.C. area. That's, mm-hmm. it's diverse, but it's interesting because I saw probably more Black people than I've ever seen in my life there. In the DMV, um, yeah. In the true, DMV, yeah. <laughs> yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've lived in, in diverse spaces, but it's just interesting that when you it things are better are getting better now in the media but for a long time you didn't see that you wouldn't think that the world we lived in was as, as diverse as it is based on what we would see on tv or in ads and things like that right well when you think even of just special needs in and of itself brian and i talk yeah. about this all the time it's like it's like we created this show to be a diverse when it comes to the special needs component, but because my experience is with autism because mm-hmm. of my son and his diagnosis, if I'm not careful, I can be, you know, we can almost be seen as an autism show. If I'm not constantly thinking of like, you know, we can, we should never go weary of the work because it is work mm-hmm. of, being curious about what it's like to be in other people's shoes. Don't ever get so comfortable to think, oh no, I'm an empathetic person. I just am. The more you say that, the more you can slip away from it because human nature, you know, we're, and and I'm not a, you know, a scientist, but you know, since we're created to survive, our first thoughts are, what do I need? Not just what's in it. But as a hunter and gatherer, you know, your thought is like, what do I need? How does this affect me? This relates to me. Oh, wait a minute. You too. You know, yeah. it takes work to think about others, which is something we need to constantly do, though. Yeah, I think, too, um, we also have to be mindful of the fact that we're not going to get it right all the time. And sometimes we're going to have these intrinsic biases that we just have developed by, you know, nurture by the things that we've seen and we've been around. And I'll give an example of that. Um, I posted a video on Facebook the other day. And it was Howard Stern from like 1990, early 90s. And it was, it was a weird video. Um, mm-hmm. It was weird. Um, and there was um, a little person in the video. And so one of my friends commented and she was like, oh my gosh, there is so much going on. First the little person and then this and this, whatever. And so it struck me because I have an episode that's coming up in season three where I'll be talking um, with someone who has dwarfism and talking about some of the things that we think about that, right? And seeing mm-hmm. that even as a form of diversity and you know the bias against that. I mean, and even to be honest, when I I went to a podcasting conference, which is how I met him, and you know he was one of, if not the only person there um that uh that had dwarfism and so I immediately you know it immediately stuck out to me right and so it's like well is that something like why did that stand out and under just taking the time to understand that right and it doesn't mean that there's anything bad or anything wrong or anything there. I think where it gets to be problematic is when you behave negatively or treat someone differently um, based on their difference, right? That's when it gets to be an issue. But I think if we all learn to, you know, be honest about our thoughts and feelings and and reflect within self and try to understand what they mean. You know, like I asked my friend, like, why was it that that stood out to you that there was a little person in this video clip, right? 
Like, was what was it about it? Um, and I, you know, was thankful that she didn't get offended because even that could be, you know, offensive because she didn't. I didn't want her to think I was trying to call her out because it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. I just yeah. wanted one to know, you know, for reference, and then two to have us all think about what is it that we think when we see these different things in the world or see people who are different from us and our initial reaction and take time to sit with that for a minute. You know, what's interesting is you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, from the time that we're young, we're, we're taught to look for differences, mm -hmm. you know, like I remember Sesame Street was filled with like, you know, one of these things is not like the other, right? Mm -hmm. How do you identify the differences? And you know, I remember of those those highlights magazines, which had all those those pictures with all these hidden objects, right? There, right. Because right. if you look at the world, you're, you're like you don't see it. But now you're if you if you're called to look for something specific, you know, you look for those things that are different. And I'm wondering if there's some sort of you know indoctrination in in our society that has us look at the differences as and, and maybe as a differences as a a thing that we start to to look at because as you were talking about your example of your friend maybe that's not something that's evident in in her her world and so it stands out because we've now been trained to sort of look at right at differences yeah. when right. right at the end of the day if you're if, if you're if you're an empathetic person and Sean said before we even got started diversity is another word for empathy if you're if you're an empathetic person and you, you accept the world as is, you're not looking at the differences as something to, you know, to separate, but just something that, that exists. That right. right. Yeah. And is. I think if we're looking at it from that standpoint, that's completely fine. Um, I think that the tricky part is that we don't always stop there. Right. We don't always say, Oh, that was interesting. And then move on. Right. right. There's a right. book by Isabel Wilkerson called Cast. Um, and we I started a book club with um, my podcast last year. Um, and that was the, I think the first book that we read. And she talks very specifically about um, the caste system in India, but how in the United States we've created a caste system based on race, honestly, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And how a lot of times people look at um they'll think, oh, I myself am not racist because I don't burn flags in a yard and I, I would, or, you know, I would never ever, I don't burn crosses and I would never, you know, hang someone from a tree and I would never do these terrible things. I, I'm not racist. Right. But there's also this benefit that people get from certain systems. Right. And that is also a part of the caste system. It, it's what she says is, um, they may not necessarily do something that's racist, but they're not stopping us, stopping. Um, well, I can't remember how she put it. They don't, they're, not, they're not providing a deficiency. So it's not like they're, it's not like they're going out of their way to not nourish. To the not, yeah. The they still, like, there's still this expectation that being a part of a certain group allows you certain benefits and privileges. And I may be okay with something Right. And I may say, oh, I'm not racist. But if I feel like someone is in a group that is lower on the totem pole than me mm -hmm. and they then get a benefit that I did not get, then I might feel that that's problematic. So you think of there was a girl a few years ago who didn't get accepted into University of Texas, UTA and UT Austin. UT, and she, UT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. UT, yeah. And so she um, was 
<laughs> she did this whole lawsuit and was really frustrated because she thought that she should have gotten in and she talked about other people getting in over her and she wasn't mad that people of color or other folks got in she just didn't think they deserved to get in over her because of where her privilege put her right and i think we also have to look at that and i think even further than the idea of um of, of race and us creating this caste system based on race. I think we all create these mini caste systems or these mini systems of class um, that we adhere to daily, right? That we, you know, you go somewhere and you feel like, oh, I, you know, we look at the little person, for example, in that situation, like there's this idea that she thought that they were, um, my friend who um, commented thought that the little person was being exploited. And so I was like, well, why can't the little person just be there? You know, right. no, no, no. why can't no. that just be, why can't they just be existing in their everyday life? Mm -hmm. And there's this idea that, you know, there are these, you know, these levels that we put people in almost automatically. And it, it's, I think, a matter of nurture versus nature because we, we are socialized to believe certain things, whether we yeah. want to believe it or not. Well, the, the the manner in which we separate ourselves from each other is just, it's as if not, it, it, it's so, it's, it's, it's just as insidious, if not more than it is obvious. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think of like a special needs component. It's just this mm -hmm. desire to be heard. And, and I don't know if this is universe putting these things in front of me, but I've been in communication a lot lately with people who have gone very public with the tantrums that their child has, or I shouldn't even say tantrum, that's the wrong word, meltdown um, mm -hmm. that occurs due to the child being on the autism spectrum. And one gentleman in particular, as I was looking at it, you know, he was sharing as we're reading his words, I was thinking, I've never shared the experience of my son having a meltdown in public. And when those things first happen, the first thing you're thinking of is like, take the word special away. We just want to blend in right here, right now. I don't want anybody looking mm. I, don't want to, I just want to be, we just want to be loved and just understood, you know, and right. depending on your level of security, you might be thinking, oh, they're looking at me. I, what are these people thinking? The higher your level of security, the more right. your thought is like, let me protect my child. These people are staring at my child. And, and, you know, that's the lesson in diversity that comes with something like that, you know, not being invited to maybe the birthday parties or certain family gatherings or anything like that, because your situation is so quote unquote different. You know, I, right. I, I'll, if I live to be 500, I'll just never stop. And the, the, the passion with which you hear me say, everybody needs to be seen. Everybody needs to be heard. You would, th I, you know, I think I've known that all my life, but at the same time, it's like a revelation taking place like now to really stop and think of what it feels like to not be in another person's shoes. And, Right. That is really the key to what it what's going to save and change the world. We talk about, you know, we talk about love, we talk about political things, we can talk about all these things and get on as big a soapbox as we possibly can. But the commitment to never tire of being curious about somebody else's shoes is everything to making this world a better place. Everything, even economic. I could just go on and on. Yeah. Being curious, I think, is, is is a start, but also creating spaces for people. I think one right. of the best unintentional outcomes of this whole pandemic is that we got to work from home and there were people who had an opportunity to get jobs that they felt were better suited for them 
um, and their difference in ability than, you know, they would may have been able to get otherwise, right? And that's something I think is really great. You know, somebody to do something that they feel fulfilled in versus something that they're doing just because they need to make money and that's the only thing that they could get because they can't go into an office every day. And so it's concerning to me now with so many people doing this back to office and not being open to um, remote and that, and I'm thankful for the organizations that are, because there are a lot of organizations that have said, you know, hey, we believe in this flexibility and we're going to continue it throughout. But there are a lot of organizations that are on that opposite end that said, no, everybody needs to come back at least half a week. And it's like, well, where does that leave people who may have been able to be a great fit for this, you know, this role or this organization? But they live, you know, somewhere far away because, you know, being in the city is too much for them, you know, different things like that. And it's just it's it's really sad. And I hope that that benefit that people were able to experience as a result of this isn't fully lost. I think dealing with people as you're as you're describing, it's it's no different than corporations and industries. You know, there's a lot you know, there's a lot that's invested in an infrastructure, you know, and so change oftentimes requires the, you know, just to, to discount the, the legacy that's been invested. So for example, just from a technology perspective, 5G, 5G technology, our wireless technology, our internet of things, um, the internet as it exists, web 3.0, all of the stuff that's coming, the, the, the biggest challenges to it have been well entrenched, well established, the old state, you know, um, infrastructure that telecom companies had invested in the old system. Right. And so in a way they were like, no, we don't want to we're not going to embrace that change yet because we've invested we've invested so much here and we have to, like, get our ROI out of this mm-hmm. first before we can embrace change. Right. And so technology advancements in technology are often brought about by those folks who are like, I don't really care about the old establishment. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out here to the, you know, to where it's going to benefit the greater amount of people. Again, as, as, as much as Elon Musk has been in the news lately, the reality is Tesla and solar, you know, really went up against conventional technology. And his perspective was the future is here. I get it. You don't want to let this go, but here's where the future is. And so, this is where we're going to invest all of our time and effort. A lot of that same thing exists with companies to your point about those people going back to work. We're like, look, we've just built these massive office buildings. Right. We've invested all of this money in infrastructure to support you being here. You know, now we got to, now we got to have you, you know, work from home. By the way, we invested a ton of money (laughs) to give you equipment and stuff to be successful at home. You know, you'd think that there would be anyways. uh, The point is, is that a lot of times change requires the letting go of well-established infrastructure, whether that's physical infrastructure, technological infrastructure, technical infrastructure, or mindset to some degree, right? Where we've got to allow the, you know, that, that concept of evolve or die, right? That's, that's the the reality is you have to evolve or die. A lot of the challenges we're seeing, and I'm going to just, I'm going to go now full on political here. A lot of the challenges we're, we're seeing in the country right now is exactly that. The status quo, we've developed so much, we've got so much entrenched in this old white culture 
that anything that comes up against you, we, we're gonna we, we gotta fight to hold on with you know with every ounce of energy we have left. Everything we got. Yeah. We gotta hold on to it. In fact, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna outlaw all this other activity and all this other stuff. And you know, because we've we've invested so much in our you know conservative perspective on life, and you know, and 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 that's that challenge is going to eventually. Like everything else, it's eventually going to, um, it's going to, it's going to succumb. It's going to evolve or die, and 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 that there we're seeing it right now. The Supreme Court leak, you know, of the the potential of the change of Roe v. Wade and all of this stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, all of the issues of diversity, as we're talking about in our cities, all of the challenges that women are facing, um, that non-white you know, citizens of the United States, you know, deal with on a daily basis. It's a challenge to the status quo. And so it, it it's going to take a lot. But the reality is, uh, again, they're holding on because this is a well entrenched infrastructure that that they need to they need to figure out how how to let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think there is ever such a thing as a graceful, you know, transition. Of, yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of well, it goes back to everything we're saying. It, it's just that idea of like, you know, and I think it, it's it's actually kind of subconscious, and then in some cases very conscious and blatant, where it's just like, no, 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 no. This is about me. What about me? What about my pie? What about what I know? What about yeah. my, you know, even if I'm going to manufacture a threat, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, a threat to a way of life that I propose, but don't even necessarily live in some cases too, which is a whole nother story, but go yeah. ahead and cut you off, Sequoia. Well, I, I think it's interesting, too, because if you think about um, there's a quote or a thought that the greatest fear of anybody and the thing that kind of leads to all of the things that we do and the motivation for everything that we do is the fear of death. Right. And so in all things, whether it be this political death that we're talking about or people's actual livelihood, they feel like this is going to lead to a certain death for them. Right. And. Even if you think of um, like you think of viruses or you think of, of any organism or whatever, they always fight for survival. So it's not mm -hmm. unthought of that there would yeah. be this fight for survival. Yeah. Um, but I think in this fight, we have to we have to decide, are we going to be the virus or are we going to be the anecdote? You know, are we going to be the antidote, the, the thing that that saves us all and saves the greater right. good? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely. It really is interesting. And, 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 you know, you, you see this, you know, even, even again, even the, you know, what's happening in, in, in Russia and the Ukraine and, you know, what's happening in Europe, what's happening around the world as, as again, as the world, you know, emerges from this pandemic, which by the way, is not over. Like, oh, well, it's over. So let's live in a post. It's just more. Yeah, right. we call it post post pandemic, but the reality is we've lived in a post pandemic world for at least the last hundred years since the last massive, you know, right. pandemic wiped out, you know, so many people. But but um, you know, again, there's it's challenged, it's challenged who we've been, right, yeah. and who we see ourselves to be, and what we know, and so the idea change is hard, right? Change is hard for people, but it's an but it is there is this inevitability. The fact that we're doing this right now, and now of course the, the funny thing is we all live in the same general area of Los Angeles, but but we've done this, you know, with with people from other parts of the world, other countries, you know, other other parts of the, of mm -hmm. the U.S. 
we have Zoom calls, Sean and I, in our in our business that we've you know that we're in. We we've, we've done Zoom calls with hundreds, thousands of people from Hawaii to the East Coast and up into Canada. You know, all simultaneously attending you know a, a, a presentation. And now 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 because you know some of our restrictions have relaxed. Now we won't just go, okay, well, this part is over. So let's go back to the offices and the old way of doing things because that doesn't even make any sense anymore. Right. Like, why would you go? Why would you do that's like saying, hey, well, you know what? Gas has gotten to be six dollars a gallon. All right, horse and buggies, let's bring right. them back because exactly. this clearly is not working. That makes no sense. Right. 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 And that's the challenge. And most people are like blinded to that, but that's kind of what's happening. I know we've totally gone off topic here, but the idea that that the reality is embracing our differences, something that we, Sean and I say all the time, embracing our differences is what takes us into the next evolution of where we're going to become the antidote, as you said, as opposed to the virus. The, the, what happens now and often happens, if you, if you know anybody who has survived cancer, a lot of times what happens with somebody, excuse me, somebody who's finding cancer in the later stages, as they, get, as they get very sick, there's a period of time when they have tremendous amount of strength. It's almost mm. like the body, like like a last fight, the last like it, it rallies and then eventually succumbs, right? And what we're seeing right now in the United States here, and what we're seeing now, I think, is we're seeing this like this, by the way, all over the all over the world where where this sort of conservative political mindset is is still popping up. We're seeing this last fight, this last rally, like, no, we've got this, we can hold this a little bit longer. But the reality is the the future is the future is coming in. And, you know, my hope is that that change is going to be, you know, something that comes swiftly more than, you know, what we've stuck with. Cause what we've stuck with has changed for a reason. The reason why we had Roe v. Wade, the reason why we've had a lot of the, you know, the amendments that exist, why we've given rights to gay marriage and other things for evolution and for progress was that was done for a reason to go back and eliminate all of this. Now is that last, is that, is that, that, that yeah. fighters, you know, last hope to hold on to something that they've known the reality is it's not going to it's not it's not going to last it's going to it's going to succumb at some point here it has to and by the way people like people like you when i say people like you i mean fighters like you who recognize the need for just common sense in a marketing initiative like the willing to have a, a podcast that talks about diversity and is bringing these conversations and continue to have these conversations and continue to bring this is why, you know, this, this, this is why we're going to see the change because you are not afraid. You're not afraid to, you know, step in the face of it and have the, have the difficult conversations. Sean and I have talked about, we, we fight and I'm sorry, I'm going off the soapbox no. I'll be down here a second. It's okay. Sean and I talk about the fact that we fight for, for the, the, the rights and the, and the need and support awareness, acceptance of folks who have neurodiverse issues. And by the way, we take a very lovely, friendly, because we love each other. Sean and I have similar, you know, ideas about how the world works. We we talk about this stuff all the time. We're constantly like, probably, we're if we if people didn't know, people would think that we were married. Like we spend so much time together and talking <laughs> and communicating with one another. It's almost like Sean, I can't talk to you anymore. Like eight hours of today is enough. Like it's, we spend, so we're so aligned, but we haven't really taken like a, you know, a, any controversial perspectives on things because the reality is we agree with each mm -hmm. other on many on many fronts. And this is one of those things where, thank God, we have folks like you out there who are willing to, you know, step in the face of, you know, you're up, you're up against a lot more, you know, sort of, I'd say, intense reaction to 
to the world than than we are because you're like <laughs> you're like diversity is right you're like in your it's out there you're I, out there it, kind of things. It's interesting too. So one of the things that was really um, disheartening for me with starting was, you know, I, I do marketing for a living. And so running ads is just part of what I do. But running ads for the podcast has been so hard because I, you'll get these people that these trolls, these folks that'll come on and they'll say that diversity be like, why don't you speak English? Or oh boy. they'll just say, stop, you know, pushing your hate rhetoric and all of this stuff. And it's like, did you even listen to the podcast? Like they'll say things yeah, like, it's I'm for you to too. Yeah. They'll say things yeah. like I'm, I'm against white people and I'm against this. And I'm like, I'm not against anybody at all. Right. And that's the whole point, you know, it, it's the whole point of it. And I even go out of my way to look for, because one of the things that is interesting with the diversity conversation is that I feel like for white men, cisgender white men, a lot of times they feel like they're edged out because they feel like diversity is everything but cisgender white men. And that's not the case, right? So when mm -hmm. we talk about um, the guy that suffers dwarfism, cisgender white man, when we talk about, you know, other people, maybe neurodivergent, like you mentioned, or different things like that, there, there's room for everybody because diversity is very broad. And I think once we get to that point where people stop seeing diversity as this, you know, cuss word, um, and start seeing it for what it really is, then, yeah. you know, it'll, yeah. it'll be in a better the, spot. The reality as a Cisgender, cisgender white male speaking. <laughs> I have a daughter who has neuro, you know, neurodiverse issues. I have daughters. I could just stop right there. I have daughters, right? So mm -hmm. women's rights are important to me. Mm -hmm. I, you mm -hmm. know, uh, special needs rights. Those are important to me. You know, again, I can say I come from my my mother's Jewish. Like I have a, there's there's a lot of reasons for me to. Uh, I'm impacted by this as well. I'm not feeling edged out if i'm feeling edged out that's at&t holding on to that infrastructure yeah. i'm feeling right included because i'm either i'm part of the conversation today or i will be edged out right yeah. secondarily is i'm getting older i'm eventually going to become part of the special needs community by the fact that i'm going to need help support accommodations just because of my age ageism is a is a is a component yeah. of this diversity conversation as well so sure is sure is there is us fighting this as if we're being left out of the conversation. I had a friend. I had a friend who said, "Hey, my child is being taught in school that he should he should be uh, he should apologize because he's white. He should feel bad because he's white." I'm like, "You're an idiot. That's not what that conversation is all about. <laughs> right, That's right. the most insane. Like you holding on, you know, by your fingernails to something. You're like you're grasping, hoping that you don't get cut. What are you even talking about? Get in the conversation and stop fighting this." This conversation right. it just is insane to me. Right. And there's, there's, there's 50 different ways. There's so many things that we say where we talk about questions are more powerful than statements. Diversity is just another word for, you know, for empathy. Just like ask questions. And if the question, the only stupid question is the one that's not asked, you know, so that's why if you take a bunch of kids at a certain age and stick them in a sandbox, they're going to ask what we might be afraid to ask. They might ask the person of color, hey, do you get sunburned? Is that possible? And you know, just... <laughs> Be right. curious about each other. And that's the other yeah. thing is that we're so uptight that, you know, we think that certain things are racist. And, and, and sometimes a person who's not inherently racist can ask a racist question. I know that there's yeah. someone, she's actually going to be a guest on the show coming up. She posts very, very candid 
uh, things about her 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 daughter's situations with regard to her diagnoses, which includes autism, and some of them are meltdowns and things of that sort, because she's trying to break bridge the gap between you know the community and understanding. And right. our whole thing is like, I want people to, you know, ask questions. Don't be afraid. And that's something I've never dared to do. I, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but the questions that people, some people will say, you know, uh, you, you know, you got her on display or, or this is the way, you, again, within the special needs community, there's a specific term you use. There's a specific way to advocate. Everything is about, this is me. This is what I do. And if you're not doing that, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Right. And we have to get away from that. Right. Well, and I would say this, and, and I just posted, put it up on the screen, you know, Joe, who happens to be my daughter, um, not happens to be, she's my daughter. Um, you know, she talks about <laughs> diversity being a gift and that, and, it and, and it, it's such a poignant comment that she made about that when you're different, you see the world differently. And that's the point, right? I, Sean and I agree on so many things, but Sean and I look at the world completely differently. Yeah. Sean's from the Virgin Islands. It just from, I'm from California. Those are just. Just that alone. Just you have where different we're from. experiences and perspectives and thought, you know what I mean? Like your your 100%. lived experiences are different and you can't possibly think the same on everything, even if you do agree. And I think that's another thing. It's okay for us to not agree with certain agree. things. That's the well. thing right there. Right. It's like another getting along means that we have to agree. So therefore, if you don't agree, and, and that's part of our evolution too. Yeah. If you don't agree with me there's like a real problem. Like we can't actually just have an honest discussion and arrive at, you know what? And, and look, for the most part, my life was like a barbershop, especially as a black person, you know what that's like. I guess it's not much different than going to a beauty salon, but you go to the mm. barbershop, people are either talking music, sports, or politics. And guys are up in arms about how they feel and who the best player is or what candidate they like or whatever have you. And you know Minutes into the conversation, no mind is going to be changed, but you're still getting more of a workout than you would picking up all the weights in the world. Right. Whereas at the end of the day, you can just be like, you know, at this point, you know, I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent now too, but I remember somebody asking Kobe Bryant a question about, you know, how do you feel about when, you know, compared to Michael Jordan or LeBron James and the best player ever? And I remember Michael Jordan saying, I don't get into that because you just, you know, I, that's, that's for other people to who do you, how do you decide who's the best of all time? And Kobe's response was even a little deeper than that. He was like, I don't, I don't engage in an argument that I, that I honestly can't win. And that's a guy who lived to win. So yeah. what he's telling you is if your position <laughs> is here and mine is here yeah, and we can't meet in the middle, I'm not even going to have the discussion that, yeah. that, that is the, yeah. uh, that's so much evolution. That's what everybody needs. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting too, um, because you talked about Elon Musk, um, Brian, and even with him and and all the things that he's done to change the world, um, regardless of what you think of him, because some people think he's a genius, some people think he's crazy, um, but even he is is uh, neurodivergent as well. I believe Absolutely. he has Asperger's. Asperger's, yeah. And yes. so you know, you even think about that, where somebody who does is differently abled has this great ability to lead all of this change and i think if we allow and and maybe it's not allowing if if more space is open for people to whether they create it whether it's we create spaces that are more inclusive 
then we are going to be able to see these massive changes and shifts in the world because we are able to view the world through a different lens and, and see things differently and, and make different decisions. And I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, one of the greatest one of the greatest services he ever provided was when he hosted Saturday Night Live. And, mm -hmm. he, and in his monologue, he said, I have Asperger's. I'm not I'm not crazy. I just see the world. I process the world differently. And and that statement alone mm -hmm. progressed the conversation around diversity, you know, almost more than anything else, only because it's sort of like that is the point. We all mm -hmm. process this world differently. Right. The problem is that those people who feel that that that's a challenge to their well-established infrastructure of thinking versus those who are like, yeah, man, look at what look at how we're embracing, you know, um, you know, uh, again, the Tesla vehicle, how we're embracing solar technology, yep. how we're embracing remote learning, how we're embracing remote work. When when, by the way, in the, if it weren't for the pandemic, which forced us to take a look at some of this stuff, yeah. you know, we may not have gotten this this far, but but just just a different way of thinking has has moved our world forward. And, so much further. Yeah. And by the way, I don't agree with everything that he that he says and he does. And that's OK. There are certain things like everything and everybody. I take the value from those things that I look at. I'm like, that's a meaningful way of looking at it. Right. <laughs> what whether whether we all think that him acquiring Twitter is a good thing or a bad thing is irrelevant. The bottom bottom line is sort of like like it doesn't change that doesn't change my world day to day, right? The right. fact that he has a reason mm -hmm. for doing it and the reason he does it is his own, and he's looking at it from a different perspective. We all may look at that and go, huh, never really realized that Twitter could be used for that or that or that, right? It took yeah. somebody who had a different process, the way he processes the world to bring a different approach. That has all that is evolution. That has always been the case. And the funny part yeah. about all of this is that there are so many people who, as adults, are being diagnosed with these different things, right? Because Chris Rock talked about being diagnosed with something. Yeah. Like I have a really good friend of mine who was an adult who was diagnosed with ADD or who got diagnosed with ADD as an adult. Um, I'm sure a lot of us we, <laughs> we went and took a test. Hey, whatever. I, I am I, I haven't been diagnosed and I'm I, I know that I'm just like slipped oh, yeah. through the cracks because yeah, I'm yeah. because you know what I'm thinking about is like for instance for those of you that say you never get the diagnosis, say maybe there even isn't one. If you've just always been someone whose manner of processing thought, expressing information, you know, or, or anyway, just thought to be a little different, it it it, 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 it it's okay. Yeah. It, it's it's quite yeah. okay. It, it is it is quite okay. You know, the diagnosis helps because you go, aha, yes. that's what it is. And I'll I'll admit, I'd feel better if I had some of that. Who knows? Maybe I still will get that. You definitely would hear about it here. But you know, at the end of the day, if you, anybody just feels just a little a little different, you know, um, you, it's okay. Yeah, I I used to think I processed I processed information slower or more slowly. I would. You know, it would take me a while. I mean, many people would say, like, you know, how many times have you had a conversation with somebody and then you ended the conversation, you left, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, gosh, I could have said this or I could have mm -hmm. said this or I, now I'm thinking about this. And I, right. That's like that's, that happened to me my, my entire life. Right. In a way, my brain processes things a little bit differently, a little, little, you know, in, in, just in a different way. I've always felt that way. Right. Yeah. The thing is, mm -hmm. once I knew that 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 happened, I stopped making myself wrong. Right. About not. And I think that's the key. Right. right. Which the yes. problem is a lot of us feel that, well, oh, you have 
oh, you have that, so that you're wrong, right? Yes. Or you think that way, you're wrong. And this is the challenge of what Sean was just mentioning earlier. It's like, oh, you don't agree with me? Well, you're wrong. And so, yeah. by the way, if I really don't agree with you and I get enough people to disagree with you, I'm going to make a law about it. Exactly. Right? Outlaw you. And then, by the way, if I'm going to use my religion, as we mentioned earlier, if, I, if I'm if going to use my religion, so I'm going to damn you to jail and then damn you to hell. Like, that's the pro that's a problem in our yeah. country, right? That's a problem in the world right now where yes. difference, diversity of thinking is causing more challenges than, than acceptance. And that's where we need to have these conversations on a regular basis. Absolutely. Diversity of thought is, is, is as, as Jordan said, it's, it's important to embrace that. It's important yeah. to acknowledge it and not make the other person wrong. Because if you and I think differently, I think you're wrong. That means you think I'm wrong. Right. Right. And people forget right. that. If if we think it differently and I think you're wrong, then in your mind you think I'm wrong. Most people don't think that way. They think, oh, you're wrong and I'm right. So that's it. That's all there is to it. But the reality is we're not gonna get anywhere if we don't have no. these conversations, right? No. I right. think it's interesting too, is that like when you talk to go back to the the Roe versus Wade uh one of the things that was really interesting in this had to be 2008 2009 it was um i got a you know how they do the robo calls and it's like mm -hmm. a politician that's calling you to ask about something and they were talking about um abortion rights then and so they asked are you pro-life or are you um pro-life pro or pro but it wasn't even pro-choice it was like are you pro-life are you pro-abortion right like oh it was like it was one of those if you like designed to get the answer they want right and so for me yeah. it was such an odd question because i personally don't see myself getting an abortion um for my own personal reasons right, for, right? but i will fight to the death for anybody to have that right for that choice i think it's a very personal decision i don't think it's fair for that to be taken away from people because somebody said it was wrong. And it's like, what makes that somebody who said it was wrong? You know, but, and I'm a Christian. I grew up Christian. I, I, I live my life um, in most ways. Cause there are things as I'm, you know, getting older and, and learning more about myself that I, you know, that, that I'm, I'm questioning. Right. Um, and I think that's okay. And I think God yeah. is going to understand that. And I think he'll appreciate me questioning life than just saying, okay, I believe cause that's what I was told to believe. Right. Um, right. but I live my life by the tenets and principles of Christianity, but I also think that there are a lot of other sentiments. Like, you know, I have one of my really good friends, um, practices Buddhism and I listen to the things that she talks about and I'm like, that, I, that, I get that. I that like aligns, that. I like that. I, that aligns yeah. with me. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of it aligns with what I believe as a Christian. Right. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's, we have to get to this point where we realize in all of our differences, you know, which differences can be very beautiful things if we allow them to be right. But in all mm -hmm. of our differences, we have a lot more in common that's even different. Oh, completely. <laughs> we have a lot more in common than anything else because, you know, everybody wants the basic things. When we talk about everybody wants yeah. to be seen, heard. Nobody goes, you know what? I want my child to wonder where their next meal is coming from. I want them to live in a world with no hope. Nobody wants that. Right. And so at this point in the show, you know, we ask a question, which I'm always anxious to hear the answer because I always learn. I'm exceptionally 
anxious to hear your response to the question, which is as follows. You know, in our, in our ability to make the world a better place is tied greatly, at least in part, to our willingness or our ability to change ourselves, our mind, our perspective. And so with that being said, can you give us one example of a thought or belief that you once believed very strongly, but no longer believed to be true? Oh, okay. A thought or belief that I once believed very strongly and no longer believed to be true. And there's um, no wrong answer. It could be that you like vanilla ice cream and now you don't. It, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um. So I, the thing that comes up most, I was literally just having a conversation with someone um, about um, a situation and <laughs> we've both read the four agreements <laughs> and he was like I don't know I feel like you're not honoring agreements two and three and I was like no but okay you're you know what yeah I am I am um I am making a judgment on it, it was um I was um I, I was making a judgment and I was <laughs> on something um, and I didn't see it that way at first. I didn't see that I was, um, I was doing that. And I think sometimes we do that in life, right? Where we, and it's not judgment. I, let me find the actual word because I'm blanking right now because I'm on the spot. Um, but I think we do that where we, um, where is it? I'm sorry. Where we, I made okay. an assumption. And I think mm -hmm. we do that where we make these assumptions. And even me, where I'm like, I have a podcast on, you know, whatever. We do that. <laughs> right. Another mm -hmm. example, um, another example where I had to, to challenge my thinking, and it might not be, um, I don't know where, I, I don't know where I've landed on it, but um, I have this podcast on diversity. And so I really, I, I, often challenge the way I think about certain things, particularly if it feels like I'm not operating in alignment with my personal mission. Right. right. And so um, I'm single. I am. Um, I hope to get married and have children one day. And because of that, I'm dating, which is a terrible thing to do. It's awful. But, you know, it's a necessary, <laughs> necessary thing if you want to get married and have kids. Right. And right. so there was this guy and he um, was like, yeah, you know, I, I was in prison for 14 years and I've just been out for two and this. And so I'm listening and I'm like, oh, my God, this is a lot. Um, and I had to think, like, am I being judgmental? Are you judgmental? Am yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, where, what, what is this and whatever. And I realized for me, there were a number of reasons that I was like, nah, this isn't it. Um, one of them being that he had been in prison and, um, but the reasons were I have created a life for myself that one, um, my financial wellness and stability is really important to me. Um, mm -hmm. I have certain businesses and things like that, that I feel like inviting that kind of, inviting that into my world could be problematic for a number of reasons. But mm -hmm. I, at the end of the day, I just don't feel comfortable with that, right? Yeah. Um, I, as a, a woman um, who has learned a lot and who has gotten to a certain point in life and things like that through studying and through, you know, whatever, I don't want to have to teach 
a grown man, <laughs> you know, how to manage finances because you were in prison for most of your adult life. You know what I mean? I just, I don't want to do that. And um, is that okay? Is that judgmental? In a way it is, right? Um, mm -hmm. But is that wrong for me to feel that way? And I don't, I don't think it is. Um, but I, that's something I sit with regularly. Yeah. Well, it's a call because you could find out that you rolled the dice and teach that and and this individual is receptive to it and you end up adding to his life. You come together and you have a great, bountiful life as a result of it. Or it could yeah. go the other way. You just made the decision that I don't know that I want to roll the dice and head down that road to find out because while it could go that way, I also can't get at the time that it takes to find that out. And that's a right. judgment call. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting nudged by our producer, Sean Hall, who we love dearly because he kind of keeps us on track and uh, <laughs> yeah, he reminds does. us that uh, we only have an hour show. First of all, Sequoia, this conversation, you know, and, and we do say this uh, uh, often because we find ourselves totally engaged with our sub the subject matter. We could go on for another hour and, and not even, you know, begin to scratch the surface. So it's been amazing having this conversation with you. Um, I put up on the screen for those uh, who are who are seeing this on video, uh, Diversity Be Like. That's the uh, address of your podcast, right? Yes. Um, and for those of you uh, who you can see it in the in the comments and the notes, Diversity Be Like, and catch Sequoia's. We were uh, we were guests on Sequoia's uh, podcast, and um, yes. she has amazing, yeah, amazing, uh, amazing conversations on that podcast. So, thank so you. And that episode is coming you. up. I cannot wait to share it. Good, good. For those of you who know, we have not heard it. So uh, <laughs> unlike unlike us, she takes a, a quality a time to edit and actually produce her show. We uh, do this live uh, because yeah, we, don't, we don't do our we don't do our show. We spit our show. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, the editing is only for audio and only like ums and things like that. I don't edit any content out or anything like that, unless you said something okay. that was crazy that was gonna yeah. get you know everybody fired and banned <laughs> and you know get the U.S. under pressure from some other country and we're going to right. war. Like that stuff will get edited out. But like in general, I've, there's only one episode that I ed ever edited any content out and it was just because it was so egregiously disrespectful that i was like <laughs> oh my just god don't yeah. feel comfortable sharing this well, and it those, was like one sentence so for those who know sean and i that that's always a possibility but uh thankfully i think we <laughs> we avoided that in that yeah. conversation but uh as we as we sign sign off so first of all thank you sean hall for always having our backs and always keeping us on track and um you know reminding us that uh it, you know it's important to brace by the way it's important to brace embrace everybody sean is in hawaii um and so and does this from his his home in hawaii to keep us on track if you can believe um and as we say at the end of every show and i think even today is even even more poignant i always say you know empathy and love is is so important uh look at somebody's situation from the perspective of empathy you have no idea what's happening in their life what the perspective of the world is, how they process information, how they process the world. So have a little empathy and know that uh, just because they're different doesn't mean they're wrong. Just knowing right. They're right. That's a whole point behind diversity. And um, always, if you look at the world through the lenses of love, the world will look like a, a, a different place, will be a better place. So um, I'm going to thank you, Sequoia. Don't 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 leave after we're after we sign off here. Don't leave yet. We want to chat with you a little bit. But before okay. I throw it to you, I'm going to throw it to Shonda to, to close us out. And thank you again. Thank you everybody for watching uh, this episode of Just Your Dad. Sean, if you want to 
Yes, uh, Sequoia, I want to just thank you. This has been the most unique show that we've done so far, I think. Um, and I think it's it's broadened our own horizons with regard to how we do the show going forward and the and the content that we cover and include. Um, and I want to make sure that I thank the women in my life, as I always do. That includes my amazing mom, Jan, whose birthday was yesterday, and to my uh, amazing wife, Laura. And our 17th wedding anniversary is this Friday. Time goes Fantastic. by fast. Without that, without them, I would not be. And um, just remember that everybody needs to be seen. Everybody needs to be heard. They need to be uh, loved, and they need to know that they that they matter. And wherever you are, uh, just know that we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.